Well, today is a good day. The presence of God is here, right? Do you sense it? Do you sense him? I sense him. He's so good. He's so faithful. I feel like I can't sing that last song without just getting like totally lost. I'm like, what am I doing up here? Guess I got to preach a sermon to you guys. Well, first service was incredible. Uh, One of the things that I loved about our I love about our uh, community and our church is how attentive we are to the person of Jesus and how connected you guys are to the presence of God. I like, I feed on that. Every time you walk in the door, I'm like, oh yes, a little bit more of Jesus walked in the door and I love it. If this is your first time here at Legacy Nashville, my name is Allison Phillips. My husband Lyle and I are the lead pastors here at Legacy and Lyle is in Korea right now which is incredible. He is finishing up uh, today. Well, maybe he's already asleep. I hope he's already asleep. Um, But they finished up this evening, the last night of, at least the last night that he's on, um, of a tour that they uh, did in Korea called the Comeback Tour. And basically they had secular artists partner up with uh, some pastors and they just toured around South Korea and preached the gospel uh, in like open air arena, kind of mall areas and saw people um, rededicate their life to the Lord, get saved, meet Jesus for the first time, get healed. Um, and I, I, he was just telling me all the testimonies and I was totally wrecked, but he sent uh, a testimony this morning that I wanted to share with you guys, if that's okay. Is it okay if I share? You guys got to talk more. It's okay. We can have fun in church. You guys can laugh and like be friends with me and stuff, okay? All right. Uh, Okay, so this is the testimony. It's wild, so get ready. Um, He said, today we're preaching the gospel on the DMZ, uh, which is the demilitarized zone between North and South Korea. And they got to stand in that place and preach the gospel and look over uh, into North Korea and declare its true identity, which is uh, a place of God's presence, uh, a place where the kingdom of God is going to break forth. And they just made declarations and prayed. And and I just think that's an amazing experience and an amazing opportunity. Uh, What you are a part of here at Legacy Nashville is bigger than what happens in this room, right? All of you have jobs throughout the week. All of you have families and relationships that you pour into on the daily basis. And I love that we have the opportunity to see the kingdom of heaven breaking out in every uh, nation, realm of society. And so Lyle just felt like privileged just to get to be a small part of something that God's doing in the earth. And we just feel happy that we get to like, you know, be a part of what God's building here in Nashville, amen. Uh, what God is building is bigger than you, way bigger than you. So if you feel down, if you feel sad, if you feel lonely, uh, be encouraged by this, that God has put you inside of a family uh, and it's called the local church. And we believe that the local church is the hope of the world, that it's God's plan A to see the kingdom uh, breaking forth in, in every realm of society. It's our job as leaders to disciple you, to encourage you into the calling of God over your life and say, go, run, reach the world, reach your workplace, reach your family. And so I just love that we get to do church. And I love that we get to have uh, an opportunity to celebrate the Sunday after Easter 
right? It's just amazing that Easter isn't just one day, right? Easter is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle on the other side of the tomb, saying that God's not dead, He's alive. And because He's alive, I'm alive too. And in Him, we have all of our living and our being. And I'm just, I don't know, I feel like totally jazzed today, as you can tell. Well, we're kicking off a new series today. Are you guys excited for that? Anybody look on social media and see what it's called? Okay, uh, quiz. What's our new series called? Oh my gosh, you guys look at socials. I love it. Okay, it's called The First 50. And I'm really I'm really thrilled. We're basically going to be jumping in uh, for the next few weeks, next few Sundays on stories on the other side of the resurrection leading up to Pentecost Sunday. And I'm absolutely thrilled. Uh, one of the things that I love about these stories is how sneaky Jesus is and how um, he loves to just pop in and out of different scenes and stories uh, throughout this time. And I'm excited to dive in. And today um, we're going to be looking at a story in Luke uh, about the two men on the road to Emmaus. And today I wanna talk about the reality that Jesus did not die for just Easter and raise again because we could like come to church once a year and celebrate like, woohoo, good on Jesus for getting up out of the grave, right? Jesus died so that the veil could be torn in two from top to bottom and he can meet you in your everyday life, right? So Jesus came to meet you in your everyday moment And so that's the title of my sermon today. It's called The Encounter in Our Everyday. And that's what we're gonna jump into today. Let's let's pray. Jesus, you are the king of everything. We acknowledge that you're here, that you're present, and that you're wanting to move, that you're wanting to work, that you're wanting to connect, and that you're wanting to change lives. Jesus, we're not playing church. We just wanna know you. We just want to be with you. We don't want anything aside from you today, God. We want to know what it's like to be with you. So God, we ask that you would open up our hearts and open up our spirits to see you more rightly in all of your glory and all of your goodness. (laughs) And everyone said, amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, this week I uh, have been without my husband because he's been in Korea and I had like one of my favorite days at work so far this year. And I love all, I love all of our team members. Okay. You guys are stewarded by some of my favorite people on planet earth, but this Tuesday, which is our staff meeting day, we just so happened to have all of the ladies in the office today or that day. I know. Uh, all the all the guys were either out of town or they uh, some of them work other jobs and so they were out there other jobs working hard and but it was just the ladies and I'm I've got to say we got like a whole lot done. <laughs> you laugh because the ladies get stuff done, right? If you want to get a project done, call a mom. Just like, we like to get stuff done. We can like clean the house and like raise children and like make dinner and like keep everybody alive and it's awesome. So it's great. But so it was all the ladies in the office and we were just getting all of our stuff organized and uh, Sarah jokingly said, what, what should we do now? Should we just like plan Christmas? You know, we were 
So we were rolling. It was awesome. But I would say in this, in this season of my life, I, I'm, I'm a little busy, maybe just a slight busy. Uh, I got two kids. They're toddlers. They're 18, 17 months apart. I didn't do that on purpose. It just happened. But I feel like a genius now because they play together and I'm like, I'm so smart that I did that. <laughs> but, you know, we're in this interesting season of life and it's like, the, joy, like the, the joyful kind of busy, you know, when you're doing stuff that you actually love and you're like, I'm just, my time is full and my time is filled with life. But there's something about this season or in general that has kind of been tension, right? Which is I haven't always been able to find the space in my life to just have that quiet time in the presence of God like I used to uh, before I had kids, before I was married. And I, I don't know, like when I was single and before I had kids, I lived in Redding, California, and <laughs> I was in school of ministry there. And I had this closet, this big closet in my apartment and I was a poor ministry school student, so like I didn't have any clothes, right? I just, you know, so my closet was basically my space to get away in the presence of God. Anybody else have that space where it's just like, I'm gonna go and hunker down. I'm gonna be in the presence of God. And I loved it. I spent so much time in the presence there. And I would just listen to IHOP over and over and over again, this one album. I can't even remember which one it is, but I would cry to the same song over and over and over again because the Lord just, touch me. I was just overwhelmed. But this season is very different. I'm like running around changing diapers and like, you know, leading a team and getting to disciple you guys and uh, raise healthy children. And I, I think it's amazing. But as I've journeyed with God, I've come to realize that I actually don't need the closet space to have an encounter with God. I used to, I, when I first had kids, and this is like an honest moment, I kind of resented the Lord. I was like, why did you, why did you do it like this? You know, why'd you make kids so small and so needy? <laughs> why? I don't know. <laughs> why? Because I'm like, it just, oh, you, you want time with me, but I don't feel like I have the time. And I remember when Isaiah was really small, my oldest, and he was, it was the middle of the night and he was crying and I was up with him and I was like, Lord, this is the only time I have with you. And the Lord showed me this picture of the veil in the temple ripping from the top to the bottom. And he said something very clear to me, which is, I, I died so that I can meet you in your everyday moment. I didn't die just so that I can meet you in your closet or so that I can meet you in just this quiet, reserved space. Like some of you have been missing out on time with God because you think it can only happen one way. But Jesus rose from the grave so that he could have every day encounter and engagement with you. And I think so often, and we come by it honestly, but we want those encounters with the Lord and we're looking, okay, God, I wanna meet you face to face. I wanna know the real you. I wanna have an experience with you. And unfortunately, sometimes that leads us to missing out on the moments that God's with us right now in the everyday. Some of you have not even stopped to think for a moment that he's just with you right now. That he's just with you. And like, you might not even be happy to be at church, but like, he's so happy that you're here. And he's so happy to be with you. And he's so happy to engage with you, the real you. And at Legacy, we're, 
a people of encounter, amen? We love, if this is your first time here, we love worship. Our very first, uh, you know, value is the presence of God. You can't do anything without it. If the presence of God isn't here, nothing matters. Your life doesn't matter, my life doesn't matter. We can do a lot of cool stuff, but without the presence of God, it doesn't last and it has no impact. But with the presence of God, that supernatural exchange, we have this a beautiful ability to leave a legacy. And so here we're like, we go after God, right? So we have this worship night coming up uh, on Tuesday night and it's my favorite night out of the whole month. All we do is go after God. That's all we do. We just say, we're leaving everything else at the door. We're just pursuing his face and his person and we love it. And you know, we thrive on encounters. I thrive on encounters at least. Like I love being in the presence of God. I want the real Jesus. When I, when I talk about the presence, what I mean is I just want the real Jesus. I just want him face to face with me. I want the real me looking at the real him because I know that's where transformation comes. But sometimes as you're awaiting your next encounter with God, you can forget that you're having an encounter with God. And sometimes we have encounters and we don't even realize that we're having them. I look back on some seasons of my life and I'm like, oh, that was a moment with God. I, I have a dream that I had six years ago. I won't tell you what it is because it's personal, but at the mo in the moment when I had the dream, I thought nothing of it and I haven't been able to shake it for six years. And I'm like, I just, I had an encounter with God. I couldn't, I didn't, I don't know. You know, you just, you don't always realize it until after the fact, right? And that's kind of the story that we're going to jump into today in Luke 24. We're going, to, we're going to look at the story of the two men on the road to Emmaus, the two men who are on a journey and had an encounter with Jesus and didn't even know it. So, so wild. But Luke 24, starting in verse 13, says this, that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? As if he didn't know. And they, st <laughs> they stood still looking sad. I'm just like imagining that. They're just like, dude. And then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And Jesus said to them, what things? As he often does to us, he's like, I'm like, I'm so mad. And he's like, what are you mad about? As, as if he doesn't know. So the story goes on and the two men share with Jesus the story about himself. They're like, we, he came and he was a prophet and we thought that he was our hope. We thought that he was the deliverer, the one that was gonna bring uh, us back to our, our former greatness and our former glory, but he was crucified and he was buried, but we're grieved because we just found out that his body was stolen or it disappeared. We don't know where it went and he was, he was who we were looking to. We don't know. We don't have any hope anymore. And in verse 25, we jump back in and Jesus says to them lovingly, oh, foolish ones. <laughs> I love how Jesus corrects us <laughs> and how he disciplines us because he loves us and he wants us to see the truth of who he is 
Don't shy away from the truth. Don't shy away, even if it causes tension in your world. Just let him work it out with you. He says, oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself, which would be amazing to have that happen. (laughs) Verse 28, so they drew near to the village to which they were going and he acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly saying, stay with us for it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. Sneaky Jesus. And they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened up the scriptures? Did our hearts not burn within us? These men had an encounter and they didn't even know it. They didn't even know it. And could it be, church, that we actually are having way more encounters with God than we think we are? Way more. Is it possible that we sometimes are so caught up in our schedule, in our honestly busy and chaotic at time lives, that we miss the encounter that Jesus is pouring out in our current everyday life? Sometimes you get used to talking to Jesus a certain way and he shifts, right? You know, like that scripture in Revelation where like he just shifts a little bit and it's like a whole new facet of who he is and all of heaven's like, holy, holy, holy. Like Jesus does that in your life too. And sometimes I think we, we think that God's not talking anymore and he's just talking differently and he's just speaking in a different way because he wants us to get a, to know a different part of who he is. And sometimes he's looking at us face to face and sometimes it's in dreams and sometimes it's through other people and sometimes it's through your coworker or your boss or a really hard situation. But he's speaking and he's wanting to meet you. And oftentimes we look over those moments because we're just waiting for the next big encounter. Like I'm just waiting for, you know, my mother-in-law to come to Jesus. I'm just waiting for, you know, my cancer report to come back negative. I'm just, you know, waiting for these big moments. And listen, God does the big moments. And I've been in the room when God does a big moment and it changes everything. But I've also been in my bedroom when God's done a small moment and it's changed everything too. It's just a small whisper and it's changed the trajectory of my life and a lie that I was believing all of a sudden got shifted and I was stepping more fully into my identity. We are people of encounter, but if we focus only on our next big encounter, we may overlook the encounter that we're having today. And as we read the scripture, we see that Jesus loves working in secret. I don't know if you guys noticed that throughout the gospels, but his very first miracle was done in secret when he turned the water into wine at a wedding. And only the people the only people that knew were his disciples and the wait staff. He wasn't even planning to do a miracle that day. He's like, it's not time yet, but he did it. And he's like, just don't tell anybody. He consistently healed and delivered people and commanded them to tell no one. I remember reading a scripture one time and I'm like, Lord, why? Why don't you want people to know and the Lord has reminded me, I'm so, so looking at the heart of the matter. I'm not looking at the outward. You know, I'm looking at the heart of the matter. So 
you know, I do things outside of your timing because I'm looking at the heart of the matter. And some things you guys have been waiting for breakthrough on haven't happened yet because he's looking at the heart of the matter. And he's wanting to see how you steward breakthrough, like the little stuff. He wants to see how you steward the junky car that you got given before he like gives you the upgrade, right? And that's just how Jesus is. He'll do things in secret and he'll do things behind the scenes. And it's frustrating at times because we, we're like obsessed with outcomes, as a culture, like, we're obsessed with it. We're like, we want to know what can be measured so that we know how to, like, judge it. We want to see something on the outside so that we know, like, how to weigh it as good or bad. Unfortunately, that was, you know, that was original sin, right? The original sin was, I want to know how I can be in charge of weighing what's right and wrong. And it got us into a lot of trouble and it caused a lot of disconnection between us and the presence of God. But that's why the Lord's so happy to do things in secret because there's something about detoxing from outcomes and detoxing from the reality that like, God, you have to do something big for me to acknowledge you. A, a measure of maturity is what you do with the still small, small voice. What you do with the little thing, what you do with the small moment, the day-to-day -day interaction, because that says, hey, I'm mature, I'm humble, I'm listening, I'm surrendered. You don't actually have to do something that causes me to be seen in order for me to respond. I'm so happy to do things in quiet. I'm so happy to do things behind the scenes. I'm so happy to have the heart of the matter transformed, not just the circumstance around me transformed, right? He said, so often when we pray, even we should go into the inner room and just do it in secret. And there's something about the quiet moments and God just, he loves to work undercover. And it's so interesting because in this story, these two men are walking down the road and they're so overcome with the grief of their life that they miss out on just the person of Jesus walking right next to them. And I love this quote from Bill Johnson. He says, you'll seldom find what you're not looking for. So what are you looking for? You know, like Jesus came and he corrected them. He said, hey, you should have been looking to see the words of the prophets fulfilled. Instead, you got so caught up in the sadness and we all experience sadness and grief and all of the myriad of things but what has God spoken and what are you going to do what foundation are you going to plant your life on are you going to plant your life on the grief or on the word you know that God has spoken and God's so faithful to reveal himself to us but are we looking for him are we looking for him in the midst of the hard situation I've I know plenty of people and I've been that person on occasion that has just walked away, you know, from the voice of God because of a hard situation. And I had a word for it. Listen, I've gone through seasons of my life where the Lord told me, it, one of the things we like to say here is, you get prophetic words because you're about to need them. Anybody? You're about to go through a season where you're going to need that word. And I've had that where I've gotten a word and then I go through a hard season and I'm like, no, Lord, you weren't right. You weren't true. You weren't. And he's like, listen, what are you going to do? Plant your life on the truth of what I say? Or are you going to distract your life with the chaos that is so prevalent in our world? 
But that's the thing about the road to Emmaus is that Jesus still comes to you even if you don't recognize him. And that's what the whole joy of Easter is, is the fact that he rose so that he could meet you in that everyday moment. That he can meet you even when you don't notice him. That he could encounter you face to face even on your journey of frustration or sadness. I wonder how often that we're speaking and fellowshipping with our friends and communicating about Jesus the whole time, entertaining God completely unaware. I think that's like the definition of like a dry church. It's like, we're just like all together and we're talking about God, but we haven't actually recognized that he's with us, like that he's here. And I think that's just the difference between a church alive and a and a dry church is just the like acknowledging that the presence of God is here that we can't do it there's nothing that you know that we could build that's beautiful without him right but that's that's what's so amazing is that Jesus told us that whatever we do to the least of these which I like to translate sometimes for myself this is not a literal translation but for myself as the people that become normal for me like the least of these are people that like I take for granted, like my mom or my husband or my staff or people that just become normal. Whatever I do and however I treat the least of these, I can fake it, right, for like 20 minutes, okay? But the real content of my heart and how I love and see you comes out the more time we spend together, right? So whatever I do and however I treat you, the more I get to know you is my reflection of how I would treat God in his presence because we do it all the time. He gets so normal and we take for granted the fact that he's here. We take for granted the fact that his presence is here and we don't always, you know, we're humans and we don't always do what he wants us to do and we make weird decisions all the time and yet he still just comes and he meets us in the middle of it. And if we would open our eyes to the understanding that he wants to meet you in the middle of those everyday normal moments, then our lives would become holy unto him, right? Living a life of holiness is easy when you just realize that it's connected, right? You're just connected. You know, like your life just turns into this act of holiness, of worship, when you know that you're connected to the person of the Holy Spirit, when Jesus is not normal and mundane to you that he's alive and he's present and he's transforming you. That's why I like, that's why I like discipline from the Holy Spirit. Because the walk with Jesus becomes really boring if I stay the same. And some of you are bored because you just are staying the same because you're not listening to that still small voice and stewarding the voice of God in your life in the everyday and it's become mundane. But Jesus didn't die for it to just be mundane. He didn't die for you to come to church once a month and say, okay, got it, yeah, I'm good. He died so that you could engage in a life-giving relationship with him every day of your life. And we miss it sometimes, I do it too, but when I was uh, young, I dreamt of getting married, like really dreamt. I was like, oh Jesus, I'm gonna have the most beautiful wedding day. My dress is gonna be gorgeous and I'm gonna meet the right person and he's gonna fit perfectly with my ministry and it's gonna be awesome. And I quickly found out on the other side of marriage that marriage isn't the wedding day. I don't know why I didn't think past that, I just didn't. 
<laughs> oh, I was young, but I didn't. I didn't think that it was. It's like just get married and we can have sex. It's awesome. <laughs> but I found out really quickly that marriage is mostly the summation of just like everyday normal moments. And a healthy marriage is one where you find joy in the, those everyday normal moments. Like, I hate going to the grocery store. Like, I hate it. I use Kroger Clicklist because I have two toddlers and they like want everything in the grocery store. And then if I let them out of the car, they run in circles and it's just really traumatic. So I just don't do it. But I hated the grocery store before I even had kids because I got overwhelmed when I was walking through. I'm like, what do I eat? What do I not? I don't know. So, let you into my life. Once I got married, I love going to the grocery store with Lyle. It's like one of my favorite dates. We like Trader Joe's. And I love going to the grocery store with him. When I go by myself, I spend one amount. When I go with Lyle, it's double. That's just who he is. That's how he is. If you know Lyle at all, you're like, yes, that is the true statement. We like buy every snack. We like don't have to go to the grocery store again for like three weeks, which is also again why I like going with him to the grocery store. But it's those mundane moments, right? They become, they become filled with connection. When you move in with your best friend and you're like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. Now all these mundane like dishwashing moments, like it becomes fun. And you learn how to live a life together, not based on the once a year anniversary, right? If my connection with my husband was, we got, went, went on a date every year when like to celebrate our marriage, like, oh, we got married on the 31st of May and that's when we do our date night, my marriage would be terrible. Be terrible. And so why do we think that we can relate to God that way? We just can't. That's just not how it is. It's, it is for real, actually, a relationship. For real, for real, for real, it's a relationship. And it takes those... That feels overwhelming if you don't recognize that it's the everyday moments that make it so sweet. It's when you get out of your car to go to work and you just look at the building and even if, it, even if it's hard, you're like, wow, God, you're in there because you're with me and I'm so glad. All of a sudden, this boring or hard, tough thing turned into joy because you're with me. And that's our, you know, that's our, our privilege in the presence of God is that we have the opportunity to turn everyday moments into holy moments. And that's why the veil was torn from top to bottom because we no longer have to stay on the other side of the veil and outsource our connection with God to somebody who's holier than us. Like we're all screwed up, okay? Like we all got stuff, but Jesus is so faithful and so gracious that when we are completely blinded to him, he still walks alongside us. And some of you are like so stressed out because you don't know how to have a devotional life. It's just like, just live life and talk to Jesus. He's so faithful. Just read your Bible and let him talk to you. And some of you have felt really guilty and filled with shame because you haven't known how to steward a devotional life with the Lord. And let me tell you, the more you talk to him, the longer you want to spend with him. And it's the same with any and every relationship. Just start a conversation. Start talking. You might feel like he's not saying anything back, but just keep listening. Because as you do that, the scripture will come alive to you again. And just like Jesus in, in uh, this passage, he'll He'll break himself open to you again and your eyes will be opened to his goodness and his presence in your life. And it all starts with just opening up and letting him open up to you. 
and just recognizing, hey, I don't have to have it all together. I might be in the midst of my funk, but I'm going to acknowledge that Jesus is here with me in it. Ephesians 1 is one of my favorite passages of scripture and it's so full of amazing, beautiful things. In the first 14 verses, basically, we learn about the blessing of our inheritance because of our faith in the bridegroom, Jesus. But verse 18 says something really interesting. Uh, It says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. There is a glorious inheritance in the saints. There is a holy exchange and encounter with the presence of God in in this moment right here. What we do from week to week as we engage with our family and with the community that God has planted us in as the church. And we often go after like encounters, big encounters with God, but God wants to give us encounters right now in the person sitting next to you. Get plugged in somewhere into a family, into a local church, into a healthy, thriving, alive community because your inheritance is is not full unless you're plugged in, unless you're both feet like dug deep into the soil of the church. And it's not my idea. I didn't make up the church, okay? So don't get mad at me. I didn't make it up. Jesus did. And we're just here stewarding it to the best of our ability. But the reality is there is an inheritance for you. There's an encounter with the person of Jesus as you disagree with the person sitting next to you. It's okay to disagree and be friends. It is okay to see Jesus even if you're upset with each other. There is something so beautiful about the family of God that as we journey along our lives together, that we have people walking alongside us, carrying our heavy weights and walking the journey of God with us. And in that place, we find Jesus, right? I find Jesus every day when I wake up and I look at Lyle because he kind of looks like Jesus, but... <laughs> Just kidding. He kind of does, especially when he had the long hair. But the reality is like, I have a joy when I walk in this place. I have a joy when I walk uh, into the mall because I'm like, man, Jesus is here, especially Nordstrom. Jesus is definitely here. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, but that's the truth. Some of you are feeling disconnected from community and now's the time to get connected, plug in, lean in to find that connection because there are some things that Jesus wants to do in your life and talk to you about, but he's not gonna tell you in the prayer closet. He's gonna tell you through your leaders and he's gonna tell you through your friends and he's gonna tell you through your small group leader and through uh, the person that you volunteer on their team you know, through the kids as you serve in Legacy Kids, that is where the fullness of your inheritance is not only found in the prayer closet in those quiet moments, it's found in connection and in family. And that's why Jesus designed family. And that's why he gave us the local church as a gift to see us stretched and expanded to all that he has us to be. Let's stand. We're gonna close. Listen, Jesus gives us big encounters and you will get 
some big encounters in your life. And it may not always look like what you think it should. The biggest encounter of my life looked like a small encounter when it happened. It felt like a normal, everyday moment. And I thank Jesus for it every day. So it might not always look like what you think it should look like. But my encouragement to us is that we would become heaven bent on encounters with God, but not just like, not just what we think should be an encounter, like weeping, I mean, there's gonna be weeping probably, but you know, not just one expression, not just one experience, but it's the everyday moment. Like I came to church and I didn't wanna be here, but you know, I walked up to Kristen and she told me that she saw Jesus on me today. That's an encounter, and I've had that with so many of you before where I felt completely tired and exhausted, and you came up to me, and you're like, Jesus did something big in my life, and I'm like, well, that's an encounter. It's amazing, but you cannot and you must not rush past the everyday small moments. There's no excuse for no devotion to the Lord. There's no amount of busyness. There's no amount of chaos in your life that can outshine the goodness of God in your life. He's walking alongside you in your everyday. Will you open your eyes? Will you open your heart? Will you open your spirit? And so today as we close, what I want us to do is every I like every eye closed. But I want us I want us to open the eyes of our heart and see where God is walking with us. And then I want us to repent for the places that we've rushed by. Because he's not every day and he's not mundane. He's holy and he's faithful. And he didn't have to come, but he did. And he does every day. So God, we love you and we bless you. And we know that you are so in love with us and that you come to us in the midst of our journeying, in the midst of our busyness, in the midst of our chaos, and you walk alongside us and your greatest desire is that we would just open our eyes to you. Your greatest desire is that we would just acknowledge your presence. So Jesus, we just ask that you would flood the room right now, that the person of Jesus would walk from the front to the back into the center of every life. Jesus, we love you.